It's the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Jeffrey Grossenbach. Tuesday, May 20th, 2008. A few days ago, I spoke with the founders of BizNick, a business networking site here in Seattle built on Ruby on Rails. RailsConf is coming up in Portland, and I will be there. I'm going to be doing some special live interviews for the Rails podcast at the Heroku booth at lunchtime every day. So if you're going to be at RailsConf, I'd love to see you there and check out the Heroku booth at lunchtime to be able to see a Rails podcast interview live and in person. The Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored by Atlantic Dominion Solutions, located at techcfl.com. ADS is a web development innovator that specializes in building user-focused Rails applications and enhancing their performance with Amazon Web Services. ADS also provides 24-7 monitoring and management of EC2 deployments, as well as fully managed hosting on virtual servers optimized for Rails applications. So I'm here with Dan McComb and Lara Felton of Biznick, a startup here in Seattle, continuing a series uh, talking to Seattle-based startups uh, using Ruben on, on Rails. So what is Biznick? Biznick is a community of independent business owners who are coming together to collaborate with each other using Biznick as a social network. Uh, uh, it's a community that's based on social networking technology, and uh, it's built on Rails. And uh, it's, we've been at this for three years, and uh, it's um, growing more and more every day. And we were just talking to you, you've got conferences, you did a conference, you're going to do a conference, you're expanding. It's not just an online thing, a big part of it is the in-person element. It is. We like to think of Biznick as a marriage between online and offline networking, so that the the online social network, while it's an award-winning social network that uses cool technology, most of our members are really interested in just running their business. And so the technology is there to support all of the interactions and the networking that happens offline at the face-to-face events. So what you'll find on the Biznick website is actually a real emphasis on these events and all of the events are hosted by our members. So a member anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world can go online and as long as the event and the content is relevant to growing a small business, they can put an event in the calendar and they can call together 50 people for a happy hour at a pub or they can pull together six people to sit around a coffee shop and talk about marketing trends or a book that they recently all read that they felt inspired them. Or another one of our favorites is a group of people will take their dogs and they'll walk around Green Lake and they'll network for an hour while they're walking around Green Lake at two o'clock on a Tuesday because they all have to walk their dog anyway and they're all small business owners and this is a great way to call each other together and and meet each other face to face. And you started in Seattle, but you've expanded. I saw at least 15 cities on there and it looked like people can either just create a new city or maybe you're intentionally expanding into other cities. Yeah, the way it works is it, geo, every time someone joins, it actually geolocates their location and puts them, um, you know, stores that information along with their profile. And so, whenever someone uh, joins, say from Topeka, Kansas, uh, we don't have the name Topeka in the list because it just, just we, we can only, um, you know, support the larger cities in that list, that drop-down list. But if you type in Topeka, uh, it'll actually then locate you as the user 
to that location and then show you everyone within 50 miles of that location. Uh, you can change the 50 mile radius to as little as five miles or as much as I think 500 miles. So you can uh, you know, see you know, in, a, in a tighter or wider circle from where you are. And the reason we do that is because we really believe that business networking is something that really works best when it's done locally and when it's done face to face. Um, big, huge online business networking sites like LinkedIn uh, take a different approach in that it's really about contacts and who you know and no matter where they're at. And that's great, but Biznic really isn't a content ma management uh, or a contact management tool. Biznic is a community, and community really works best when it happens face-to-face -face and when, when there's actually a chance that you might meet that person. And one of the knock-on benefits of, the, of taking that approach is, is that it's actually turned out to be a, a really a civil, civilized place. Um, in, t in three years of running Biznic, we've only ever had to moderate two conversations in the forum, which uh, if you talk to anyone who's managed web communities, um, they would find that almost unfathomable in a, in a context of uh, community uh, discussion where it can get pretty passionate and uh, it's very, uh, moderating formats tends to be very common. Now, two weeks ago, I aired a podcast where I talked to someone about a niche social network that they had started, and they said niche social networks do not work uh, if you don't, even if people like the idea, they're not going to join until there's a certain number of people in the network, which then keeps them from ever getting that number of people because everyone's just hanging out on the side. But it sounds like the way you've built this, it's even if there are just three or four people in a small city it could still work. Was that part of the plan from the beginning? Well, I think what happens is is that because you do have the off the online networking that you can be networking with people all over the world. So Biznik is technically, we have members in 94 countries. Um, that doesn't say a whole lot because there's two people in Kenya and one person in Malaysia. So the majority of the people are in the United States, but there is no reason why those four people who are isolated in Kenya can't get online and be networking with, with the bigger network, with the 10,000 users worldwide. And that is happening. There is um, one very active member is in India. And she gets on the forums and she greets new people and she answers a lot of questions. I think she's a web developer or has a lot of web experience. And I think she's contributing articles as well. So it's you definitely can. Yeah. You can network. And the other thing that I would, I would say is, is that it's interesting that um, your friend said that niche social networks don't work. Well, it depends what you mean by work, right? Like, so, for example, Biznik has... Uh, just over 11,000 members as of today, actually. And 5.6% of our members are paying members. So that means we're making about $10,000 a month right now just on memberships alone, not even including uh, our other ways that we make money, which is by events and also by sponsorships and advertising. So, uh, so you know, if, if, if his question is, is, does it work to make money? Well, um, it's, we are have, Biznik isn't, isn't uh, we, we haven't, our, our expenses outweigh our income at this point, so we're not technically profitable, but we are closing the gap very quickly, and we estimate that by the end of this summer, we will be a profitable company. And um, so, uh, so I think um, it does work, and, and it is something that is a model that's proven. The only Web 2.0 company that's gone public to date is called Zing, and they're based in uh, Germany, and they have a, a they have a, uh, what is it, 7% mm -hmm. rate? They have a 7% uh, upgrade rate. Uh, we already have a 5.6% upgrade rate, so we feel very confident that this is a sustainable business model. And their membership is very similar in price. It's something like 9 euros, which I suppose is equivalent to about $15. Um, and the rest of For their months. members are free. Uh huh. And our membership is also either $10 a month or $24 a month. And so the average monthly membership that's paid is 15 on Biznik. And what do people get 
at those membership levels? What are they paying for? They're essentially paying for enhanced profile and enhanced promotion. So 75% of the website and the features are available for free, and you can do an awful lot with that for free. If you want to set yourself apart and get some more visibility, add features to your profile, such as a video segment, a video blog, or add your logo. These are things that people will pay for, and that's where we ask them to, to contribute $10 or $24 a month. I think, I think what it is that uh, people say that no one will pay for social networking, but the reality is, is they're talking about consumers. Consumers won't pay for it because um, you have Facebook and you have MySpace that are built on uh, a model that nobody is sure how it's going to work in the long run because um, how are they going to monetize it? But we have, uh, uh, we have built this really from the beginning with the idea that it needs to be monetized from the beginning, not from some future sale or, or some idea that you know, it might be profitable someday or we might be able to sell enough advertising to sustain it. So uh, we've really uh, essentially made a deal with our users and said, look, if this is going to add value to you and your business, if this is going to help you make more money and grow your business faster, then pay us 10 bucks a month or pay us 24 bucks a month. And for the $10 level, you'll get enhanced profile. And for the $24 level, you'll get additional visibility on the network. And it really does work. We, we measure every click through on Biznik. And uh, active members get eight times more traffic than free members do. And supporting members get 26 times more traffic. More traffic to their own website. To their own website, off, offbound, you know, from Biznik, off to their own site. Now, that's an interesting <coughs> business model because for a lot of people, it's the decision between an ad-driven model or a subscription, but in your case, the the members who are paying are actually paying to advertise themselves to the other members and on that site. So it's in a sense, it's all built around advertising, but advertising the the businesses. That there. is an interesting perspective because um, one of our taglines has been radical self-promotion. So Biznik's audience did come to Biznik for the opportunity to promote themselves and to promote their business. Because we put a lot of focus on the community building and the support as opposed to referrals and leads generating, I think that it is, it is kind of a backwards way to look at it that our members are paying for advertising because they need to contribute to the community. They can't just go out and start spamming each other. Once they start spamming each other, members will block them. Um, they'll kind of get pushed away off to the side. If they come to an event and the first thing they do is pull out their business cards and start handing them around the room, you can just see people turning off to them instead of you know welcoming them and inviting them into conversation. So it's a it's a different way of advertising, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and I think uh, to call it advertising would, wouldn't be to do it justice because really, uh, you think when I think of advertising, I just think of someone you know paying money for something that then appears and you know works or doesn't work based on you know the, something not something that's out of their hands but in the hands of the publisher. And in, in our case, what we're basically saying is, look, it's it's in your hands, and we're going to give you even more tools and even more ways to stand out and even more visibility. But it's really up to you then to choose what to do with that visibility. And uh, so it's sort of like giving someone a stage and saying, you know, go for it. And, and uh, when you pay, you get uh, a bigger stage. Now, I'll have to admit, I've been to a couple of business events and I'm, it was great. I met a business consultant who I then spent two or three months having some sessions with, you know, paid a couple thousand dollars. I met a voice uh, speech consultant who I had a session with, you know, a couple hundred dollars. You guys didn't get any of that money. Do you feel like we're enabling all these kinds of business interactions between people and yet this is just kind of a free, we're not even benefiting? Or do you have a, 
any plan for trying to benefit from all the connections that you are enabling between other people? No, it, it wasn't. We actually made a conscious choice very, very early when we developed Biznik to, to not try to be uh, like the Elance model where we actually get in the middle of the transactions. Because to us, business networking really is about facilitating connections, not creating barriers. And if you're going to try to monetize that transaction, you have to create barriers. You have to erect barriers between people and say, um, if you're going to pass through this fence, you know, pay us 25 cents or something. And we really didn't feel like that was in the spirit of business networking because, uh, you know, openness is really at the core of, of our philosophy to this. And so Biznik, for example, is free. Like anyone can join, anyone can create a profile. You get about 75% of the benefits of Biznik without having to pay. So, you know, most of the members are, who are using the site don't pay and, and they get a lot of value and benefit from that. We also get a lot of value and benefit from having them participate and join even if they don't pay because uh, they're providing content to our site. And that's the reason why Biznik is now ranked number one on Google for the term business networking. We outrank LinkedIn. And we, we essentially, we outrank everyone. Um, the only one that we sometimes trade first place with now is BNI, which is the 500-pound gorilla of traditional business networking, and they've been around for a long time. Now, rolling back, we haven't even gotten to the first question on my list here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> rolling back to the idea, as you said, you know, we're in Web 2.0, which seems kind of like a second shot at a lot of these ideas. There have been many other business networking sites. Why? Where did you get the idea to start up a business networking site three years ago? And uh, did you have other ideas that you had to choose between and, and you felt like this was the best one? Well, Biznik um, wasn't meeting our own need. It was solving our own problem. Both Dan and I were self-employed. I was a freelance photographer for about seven years, and Dan was a web developer. So the fact that he was a web developer directly contributed to the fact that we decided to build an online social network. Um, When we were self-employed, working out of a home office, you know how important it is if you're self-employed that you need to be networking. Business networking, we should probably be going out to one of these business networking events and meeting other business people and passing referrals. But it sucks. It really does suck. It's not something you look forward to. It's not something we looked forward to. And we just started talking about, like, why does it have to suck? When we know so many cool people who are self-employed, whose business is an extension of their self-expression, they're interesting, they're fun to talk to. These are people I want to be passing business to. I want to be supporting them. And you can go to a barbecue where all your friends have day jobs. They don't want to be talking about work. They're like, hey, I, I just spend a whole week at work. I don't want to be talking about all of your new discoveries and your new clients. And the third thing was, is a lot of the traditional face-to-face networking communities, and we won't name any names, but the ones that we were familiar with don't have websites that support that so that you will go to one of these events and it could be a very crowded room of people in navy blue suits and people are passing out cards but six or eight months later there's no way you're ever going to find them again same thing with a conference what a shame you go to a conference there's 300 people in this auditorium two days later you're wondering who knows who knows who and who how can i find that person i met at lunch and you'll never find them again so the reason that biznik was born was Dan said, well, why don't I just build a website? There's these things out there called social networks. They're pretty cool. In fact, we're, friend- we're on Friendster. We'll just build a profile. Everybody can have a profile. Everybody can start messaging each other. Let's find ways for people to host their own events. It all grew organically based on the needs that we found as freelancers working out of a home office, isolated. So initially, it was just going to support your own Absolutely. freelance. Are you still doing freelancing or is this 100% of your time now? It's turned into 100% of our time for more than a year now. 
uh, and that that point came uh, around November of 2006. 2006. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we've been full time ever since. But not profitable. So you've put your own money into it. You found other money, or just the increasing possibility of the site has said this is something we need to keep doing. Yeah, it's a combination. We we did get some friends and family that believe in our concept that have contributed. Uh, we put in all of our own resources. We've had a lot of members who, fantastic as it is, these are members who have offers have skills that they offer small businesses. So we've had some consultants over the years come to us and say, "Hey, I won't charge you because if business succeeds, I will succeed." Um, we've gotten graphic designers who stepped forward and said, hey, I really want to help out you guys because I want to see Biznick profitable and, and helping my business. So what do you guys need? How can I help you? So we've actually been very fortunate to have a lot of community members step forward, offer their services, which is which is, has helped us build this on a budget. Yeah, it feels like it's been a really a community effort in, in a lot of ways. But uh, uh, we're excited to be able to be getting closer to ma- becoming profitable because that really will make it sustainable and, and able for us to be sure that it'll be around next year at this time and, um, continue, and allow us to continue to innovate and um, add new features that support the community. And that seems appropriate, too, that you are a community site for businesses. You yourselves benefited from that in building the site. It seems appropriate. Pretty much uh, every contractor we've used we've found through Biznick interestingly enough uh, uh, John Adair the developer who's actually a team member now he uh, I met him at a Biznick event and uh, our new assistant I just hired our first full-time assistant uh, she we found through Biznick I put it out there in Biznick that I need an assistant a number of people contacted me and said I know someone who I'd like to recommend and that's how we found her yeah. and our sales so I could use that I've been looking for assistant but I haven't even well I have had it in my mind that I need one, so I, I should check that out. Yeah, you can definitely meet people at business events who can, uh, you know, fill in the gaps that you have in your business. It really is a great resource. Business isn't just a place to promote yourself; it's also a great place to find services that you need, or people to collaborate with, or just people to bounce ideas off of that uh, take you to the next level with your business. Now, implementation. Dan, you're a web developer. You chose to use Ruby on Rails. How did that all happen as far as implementing the site to begin with? I know that as I walked in here, you were talking to another developer, so you must have more people on the team now. Did it start that way or, or evolve? It did evolve that way. I'm a web developer, but I'm really uh, I'm not a great web developer. I'm sort of a web developer who knows enough to do some design and work on databases and do some development. I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades web developer, so I'm not one of those guys who just gets down and does genius work with code, uh, although I've done big projects and I, I, you know, I, I, I understand it well. Uh, so what happened when I started Biznick is, is I just literally just started with the tools that I had, which was uh, using MySQL as a database and using uh, an application server called Lasso. And Lasso is pretty obscure. It started in Bellevue, uh, and it was called uh, Blue World at the time. It's been sold to a company in Florida, and and, and it's a very, got a very small user base, never really grew very big. Um, but it was, the, it was the language I knew because uh, back in the day when I was doing, uh, when I learned development, I was doing a lot of FileMaker database development, and it was the only application server that worked natively with FileMaker. So that was the tool I knew. That's what I built the first version, version of Biznick in. I realized after about less than a year, nine months or so, that uh, Biznick was becoming more popular and, and, and that I really wanted to treat it like a business and, and take it seriously instead of just uh, like a hobby as, as it was started. 
And so I looked around at what the options were, uh, and I realized that Lasso was going to be a really horrible choice because it's impossible to find anyone who knows how to code in that language, and it's not supported by a vibrant community. Uh, and I wanted, that was one of my criteria was I was looking around for a community of developers who were very active and passionate and uh, smart, and, and, uh, and it looked like there was a future for the platform. Uh, Ruby on Rails really came to the forefront for us when we met John Adair. Um, I was already interested in Rails. I already thought it was thinking heavily about it. But when we met John, uh, that's what pushed us over the top because John uh, was a very strong proponent of Ruby on Rails. And uh, that combined with um, my friend Buster McLeod, who works at the Robot Co-op, uh, and watching their success with it, uh, I, I just said, that's it. Let's do it. And Buster, I think both of the business events I've gone to have been at Buster's uh, place, McLeod Residence. He, it's an art gallery and bar, and he hosts other kinds of events. Yes, it's a fantastic venue, and we love it. And we have a we have an event there. It's the largest business event in Seattle generally, and it's uh, on the the la- or the third third the third Thursday of every month at McLeod Residence in the evening. And uh, we really uh, like that venue because uh, the tagline I think says it all: a, a, a home for inspired living through art, collaboration, and technology. That's kind of uh, we we definitely share in those uh, that vision. So when did you decide that you needed another developer? Uh, was it because you were doing more of the business type of parts of the site and you needed someone else to do development, or there was just a lot more work to be done? How did that part of it grow? Yeah, uh, it, for me, it just got to a point where uh, I knew that I needed to get some help with the development work because I was my day was being taken up more and more with business development tasks and, and you know communication issues, support handling support. Um, literally, Biznick is three people, or has been three people, up until very, very recently. Myself, Lara, and then John Adair came on uh, just over a year ago. But, you know, Lara and I did everything. Like, we did every single thing that needed to be done. If someone called with a support request or, or needed email support, we handled that. If we got an idea for the way the forum should be acting, we would sit down and spec it out together and draft something up in Photoshop. I mean, everything was done, just the two of us. And then we had the one coder. And poor John had to take phone calls at 9.30 at night on a Saturday when it's like, wait a second, I just found a bug. This isn't working. And he's like, do you really need to be calling me right now? But he was the only one to call. Yeah. So it, it has been uh, one of those things where that's why we, we kind of realized we needed some help when we, when we added John. Uh, and then most recently, uh, we were able to get a little bit of funding uh, to, that allowed that has allowed us to uh, grow more quickly. We've added a, a full-time salesperson. We've added uh, a full-time office assistant. We've added... Uh, media a, relations consultant. Yeah, a media relations consultant now. And we also have uh, a team of developers that are based in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, the company is called Integrum Tech, and they are a, a team of 10 Ruby on Rails Agile developers, and they, they do Agile development uh, for all kinds of clients all over the country, and uh, we're thrilled to be working with them. And we also are working with a, a marketing and design agency also that shares space with Integrum in Phoenix, and they're called 40. And so uh, we're, we're uh, exploring uh, growing faster with, uh, with the help of some contractors and contracting that work out. Um, and it's, it's going well. So promotion, we talked about it a little bit already, but you started the site almost just as a hobby. Did you actively promote it right away or did that come later and how did you do that? Well, I think it's, it's, it's spread word of mouth. So 
to say that we actively promoted it, yes, we actively promoted it in our circle of friends. Uh, we got married in May of 2005, or that that previous winter, but we had a big party in May of 2005. And there was a good 300 or more people there outside of family and friends who were a part of our artistic, creative community. And we realized that if we can get this many people together for a big wedding celebration, why aren't we getting these people together for this project that we have, this, this idea we have for business networking that doesn't suck? So the email went out to all of them saying, come you guys, let's get together. 12 people showed up at a really early breakfast meeting um, a couple weeks later. And that's when we first started sitting down with these people and saying, what do you need? What would you want in a community? What could Dan put on a website? What kind of events should we have? And they started telling their friends and we continued to reach out to the to those three, 400 people that we knew, and eventually they all ended up joining. So I'd say the first hundred users were uh, people that we actively promoted inside of our social community. Yeah, and then from there, you know, it's 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 really been a word of mouth thing. You know, it's just kind of like Laura said, uh, what we did to try to tap into getting traffic from the search engines was we built it to be very SEO friendly, and there's no tricks involved. It's just good design coupled with changing content and trying to make it so that people would link to it and make it useful. And that's worked to put us where we are today at number one on Google for, our, for the term. And it does drive a significant amount of traffic to our site. On a given day, uh, just over 50% of our traffic comes from one search engine, Google. And we, uh, it's a strategy that's, I think, paid off for us. Um, a lot of times the terms that people come in are not business networking. They're looking for things like Seattle PR consultant or uh, you know, business coach. And they find a business member's profile, and, and they learn about business that way, and end up joining. Um, more recently, we've had uh, uh, we've been fortunate to be covered in National Public Radio uh, on Morning Edition. That was uh, really our only mainstream media coverage to date so far, and uh, that's something that uh, really uh, helped us grow a lot faster. We had 600 members join within 24 hours after that after that uh, coverage. Now, you've hired a PR firm. Was that part of it, or did that happen independently? That happened afterward. Uh, we, we sort of uh, took a look at, at what happened as a result of that coverage and said, wow, we really should have been going after this uh, a long time ago, um, because uh, having that kind of PR is a, a huge boost to, to growth. And so we decided that it was important for us to put some money toward making that kind of ha- coverage happen uh, strategically rather than sort of randomly. This is a, and I think the NPR story is an example of how Biznick being an advocate for small business members and small business people, in addition to being a small business itself, they work together. So Wendy Kaufman was actually looking for some small business people to do a story or a number of stories about and found Biznick and contacted us and said, who can you lead point us to? And we started going down the database and kind of identifying some interesting stories that we knew about and the more we talked with her the more she became intrigued with who we were and she's like well wait a second what is this biznick thing what where am i and we started talking about that and that's when she's like this is the story i want to tell so now you're expanding even more you've done a conference you're going to do another conference why did you decide that that was uh the next place that you needed to go was it financial was it a better way to get people together you felt like you needed more people or speakers? How did that come up? I, th- I think what happened was is we realized as we started seeing more and more events happen in Seattle here, hosted by BISIC members, that there was a lot of talent and a lot of enthusiasm and, and, and energy that was uh, you know, happening in these smaller events. And we thought, wouldn't it be interesting to bring them all together on one day and have sort of the best of 
business events, like sort of a year of business events rolled into one day where you could go and buy a ticket and participate and do a lot of business networking in one day, but also learn a lot in one day, meet a lot of people in one day, and, and, then, and then end it all with a, with a great party in the evening where you can have a lot of fun. And that's really what we did. We, 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 it was easy to put the conference together because we had made the contacts through the community um, over the course of you know, the last couple of years. And so uh, it was kind of a no-brainer for us to do it. It helped us generate some publicity. Uh, this year, I think more than ever, it will be a vehicle to get us um, out to a wider audience by having that big event. It's a great opportunity to get those 350, 400 people together in one room. And we teamed up with Pathable, which is another Seattle startup. They do a, a name tag based on them. Um, it's also a Ruby on Rails application. Yep. Um, and it uses tags and keywords to make associations between the other people who are at the conference. So on your name tag, it not only does it say your name and the name of your business, but it'll give you a list of uh, people who are most like you who are in the room and people who are least like you who are in the room. And we found that our users, while they're not... Very, uh, they're very techy in the sense that they did sign up on Business, so they understand the concept on how to get online and, and create a profile. But they're not really into the whole tech um, phenomenon, or they're not geeks in that regard. So they looked at it as this is an icebreaker. It's a fantastic icebreaker. I get to go to this room. I get to go to this conference. I get to see all the people in the room who are most like me, all the people who are least like me. We start having conversations, and again, it's a um, BizJam is a great opportunity to get away from your home office, get away from your computer, and get out there and network. Now that you had to mention name tags, so that's a pet peeve of mine. You know, I go to the, all these tech conferences and. You get the name tag, and mostly the biggest thing on the name tag is the logo of the conference yet. Well, I already know what conference I'm at. I don't need to see a gigantic logo. And the person's name is, you know, in tiny, I don't know, 10-point font, probably bigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad to see that someone is finally realizing that the name tag could be a valuable part of this thing, and not only at the conference, but afterwards. After the conference, too. That's what's so fun, is some of our members still wear the name tag that they got at the last Biz Gym, simply because it's still an icebreaker. It's still a way for people at other business events to come up to them and say, hey, I know some of those people on your tag. What are they doing there? What can you tell me about them? Or would you like to meet one of those people? That's that's my wife on your tag. These kinds of interactions can happen after the event, and it's, it's pretty fun, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. And uh, I think it, it just goes to show that, you know, having social technology, it can integrate in more ways than just a social network. You know, it can be something as simple as just an event. And for example, uh, another Seattle organization called Green Drinks is uh, one of the first to implement the Pathable badges at their events. And uh, they're, they're bringing a social, uh, a social networking element to, to their very low-tech uh, events. So to close with, the people that you're marketing this to are, or the people that are part of Biznick are primarily freelancers. This isn't the Microsofts and the Boeings and big companies that are involved here. Do you think that's an overall increasing part of the general workforce or a lot more people working as independent freelancers or are you just kind of, you've just found a niche of people who are doing that? It's a huge niche. There's 27 million businesses in the United States. 20 million of them, according to the most recent U.S. Census figures, are what's called personal businesses. And what that means is companies of one. Uh, The tiniest of small businesses make up the biggest chunk of business in the United States. And according to Intuit, which just published a three-part study called The Future of Small Business, 
that number is projected to grow to 32 million personal businesses by the year 2017. So it is a huge, huge niche and it's getting bigger every day. And I think some of the drivers of that trend are things like ease of collaboration brought about by the internet. And, uh, you know, in, in times of, certainly like right now, in times of economic downturn, uh, people start businesses at increasing rates because they, the, the opportunity cost is, is uh, lower for them. If they, if they can't get a job, then why not start a business? Um, and, and so uh, for, for a variety of reasons, uh, another reason is uh, immigration. Uh, people who, who immigrate to the United States are much, much more likely to start businesses because uh, they, they find fewer opportunities for them and they have greater connections at home so they can do things like start import, importation businesses and, and that like. So uh, for all those reasons, I think it's a big niche and, and it's one that we really are excited to specialize in and focus on. Um, when people say business networking, they might think LinkedIn, but really LinkedIn is a tool for people who are looking for their next corporate job. Um, it's not so much designed for, for very small businesses. And we hear this all the time from our members. They say things like, uh, Biznick did for me in three days what LinkedIn couldn't do for me in three years. And the reason is because we designed it for independent business people. It has been every single feature in Biznick has been designed to solve our own problem, which is how could we grow our businesses faster and become more profitable by making relationships with other people who face the same challenges and opportunities that we do. And uh, it, it really works. Now, I'm, we, this could be a whole other uh, conversation. I'm sure you have work to get back to you. But I'm just fascinated by the economic impact on that. I look at myself and my own business, and you know, I think, okay, I am currently profitable. I've been putting money away, and I have you know X number of months of, of savings put away. And the other day I thought, oh, wow, if I was working for a big company, they're not going to tell me, hey, we're going to lay you off in a year. It's going to be you know, two weeks, one month, two months, whatever. And for many people, it's very scary to go out on their own. And they, and definitely is, it's quite a risk to start out with. And yet, I'd almost like to think that as a freelancer, as small businesses, you have almost more power over your own employment. The economy goes up and down, and yet you have the ability to make those kinds of changes. Uh, do you just... Philosophically, do you see that having an impact on people in, in the business in general, in the, the U.S. economy in general, if you know many more millions of people are going to be running their own businesses? The number one reason why people start their own business is because they don't want to work for someone else. That's actually a, in a book I'm reading right now called The Illusions of Entrepreneurship, uh, which is a really interesting book that has some really revealing numbers about why people start businesses and how b small business uh, is a part of the economy in the United States. Um, intriguingly, um, the places with the highest unemployment are the places with the most entrepreneurship. Uh, by city, Laramie, Wyoming has the highest entrepreneurship rate in the United States uh, by population when it's adjusted for population, uh, which is intriguing because you might think it would be someplace like Silicon Valley or Seattle or a place which is traditionally associated with entrepreneurship. But uh, that's not the case. There are a lot of myths around the idea of entrepreneurship. And I think one of them is, is that thriving economies produce more entrepreneurs. That's not true. Um, thriving economies tend to actually um, produce more jobs and therefore uh, people are willing to, to go to work and take a job rather than incur the risk involved with starting your own business. But um, it's certainly true that, you know, that number of uh, the, 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 the big numbers of, of people starting businesses is going up and um, that we're going to see more and more of that in, in the coming years. And I think um, the smallest of small businesses are always going to be the biggest chunk of, 
of that um, part of business in America. And, and it's a very exciting space. It's a very exciting space to be involved in because um, it's where you have the freshest ideas and the, the, um, the real fun and passion of people who are very, in, very into their ideas and um, looking to take them to the next level. Thanks also to Rails Machine for providing hosting and bandwidth for the show.